Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday evening. We're a little late hitting the air. We apologize. A little bit of technical glitches as we hit the air. Still getting used to some of the new technologies that we've implemented here on this show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I was hoping to get the Facebook side of things up and running tonight. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to do that, unfortunately. Uh, did our best. We will continue to try. We might get lucky we shall see um but i I, i'm not holding my breath tonight um sorry for you facebookers out there uh it's just too much tech issues going on today it's one of those things we're again we're by ourselves uh sometimes it's a little more challenging for us to get up and running uh on a given day today is just not one of my days uh apparently and uh so on and so forth but hope you uh will join us and um throughout the show. We've got lots to talk about tonight, and we appreciate you taking the time. If you got questions, uh, fire them our way. Uh, we'd love to answer them for you as best we can. Uh, we got uh, lots of ways to tune in, uh, of course, through the player on Blue Frame Technology, and we really appreciate that. I know I'm up and running because I'm looking at myself. Uh, forgive the uh, opening ad if you need to. At the same time, um, if you've got uh, a question or you got a thought or something, email us. You can do so at D, uh, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. All that scrolling at the bottom of your screen. We should probably tweet out that we're on the air. That's one of those minor details sometimes. And we will get to that shortly. Uh, let's talk about guests tonight. We're going to talk about teams that have hit the road, as it were, or, or on air. Um, I mean, started the season well. <laughs> better than we started on air. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Uh, <laughs> um, and they will include... Um, NYU tonight, NYU women's basketball, undefeated, of, of note, certainly respectable to say the least, but when you are uh, not only undefeated, but you have beaten Stevens in your last game, uh, we take notice. And so we'll talk to uh, Meg Barber, the head coach of the... Violets about not only the start, but you know, coaching her alma mater, you know, taking over um, and, and and running things there. Now, we'll talk to her about that and what it means to her to be running the program. Um, We'll also talk to Carthage men's basketball. Bosco Jerakovic, the head coach there, they just knocked off the defending national champs uh, in a surprising result. Um, listen, we didn't expect Oshkosh to maybe be as dominant as they were last year, but we certainly expected them to be good. So we have to figure out, does this mean that Carthage is much better than everybody anticipated earlier this season? Or is... Um, Oshkosh not as good, or is it one of those one-offs where things like this happen? Remember, to be honest with you, Swarthmore almost lost uh, last night uh, in their non-conference affair. So it's it's not going to be uncommon. These teams have huge targets on their backs, but we'll talk to Bosco uh, about his team's start and where things stand with his squad. Uh, we'll also talk to coaches retiring. Uh, Glenn Robinson, the winningest coach in Division Three men's basketball history, uh, decided to hang up uh, the jacket, as it were, uh, just a few uh, days before the season is to start. Uh, uh, decided it on November 1st, I am told, though they never released the information until um, early November, or uh, the next week, I should say, early the next week. There's a better way of saying that. Um, we'll talk to him about the decision 
it took to, to do that, uh, why he decided to retire. Remember a year ago at this time, or uh, you know, beginning of the season, we should say, we were talking about him not being part of the program due to health issues. And I think it was the year before that he missed some time in the middle of the season due to health issues. Last year, he came back in January and was coaching the team. Uh, we got to ask him if that played a role. I suspect it might have, but he'll have the final say on that. We'll talk to him about it as well. And Gordon Mann will join us in, near the end of the show, kind of like we did on Sunday, kind of talk about what he sees in women's basketball in Division Three, how he sees it um, playing out, as it were. Uh, how, does he, how does he see the top 25 shaking out? How does he see um, lots of things along those lines, if that makes any sense? So there you go. Hope you're enjoying us, whether it's on uh, the website, d3hoopsville.com and d3hoops.com, whether you're watching. Um, well, again, we didn't get Facebook up and running, and I apologize for that, folks. Um, just a, I just couldn't pull it off, to be blunt. Um, or you might be uh, uh, watching us on our OTT app. We figured out why Sunday's show wasn't there live, uh, it turns out, and uh, we fixed that glitch. That glitch, I can say, is fixed. So you should be able to watch us, whether it's Amazon Fire, whether it's um, you name it. Um, lots of Amazon Fire, uh, Android TV, um, Apple TV, Roku, I believe are the main four. At least that's what's on our graphic. I guess I could have read it right in front of me. You can't see it, but I can see it. Um, so there you go. Lots to talk about throughout Division Three. If you didn't see some of the scores, we'll get to some of the other ones uh, at a later date. Um, is we have lots to, to, to talk about in that realm. I've got them sitting down there on the printer. I just forgot to get them. So we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later. Um, but teams are already off and, and running fully. Some teams have played five or six games by this point, which is amazing if you think about it. Some have only played one or two. It's kind of the reason we waited one more week to do the top 25. We'll have that top 25 coming up here um, on uh, – Excuse me, as we get a little bit of noise. At least maybe it's just in my ears. Um, we'll talk about that coming up. Um, um, we'll talk about those teams and those successes a little bit when we get down the road. I do want to take a quick look at the men's side of things. Um, again, a, a rash of injuries or injuries. I just read about an injury that we think may have maybe plaguing Middlebury right now. But a lot rash of losses since the start of the season. Again, this is the preseason top 25. So at this point, the, the losses start accumulating. But uh, Oshkosh has lost. North Central lost, of course, to Oshkosh. Wash U lost to Plantville already this season. Hopkins lost, uh, or Christopher Newport lost to Johns Hopkins out of the gate, but they've at least righted the ship, defeating Franklin and Marshall in their last run uh, and go. They'll play Randolph and Lynchburg coming up this weekend. Uh, Texas Dallas, we talked about them on Sunday and what they're up to. At least they got a win over Trinity, Texas. But, you know, is Underwood going to be back for what is a, an old, a pretty good Dallas, Texas team, though? I think they'll fall the top 25 temporarily. Um, St. John's at least, you know, has recovered from the loss to Nebraska Wesleyan. Uh, beat Carrollton 79-60 in their last go of it. Middlebury is playing um, SUNY Canton tonight. And that's the one we'll try and keep an eye on per the, uh, you know, it doesn't look like Sobel's playing much right now. At least according to Ryan Scott, who, who shares that information. Um, St. Thomas uh, Wabash has lost. Wabash almost lost twice. Uh, St. Thomas lost to Whitworth. We saw that earlier on. They've got Nebraska Wesleyan coming up this weekend uh, in a tournament. That's going to be interesting for the Tommies. WPI lost to New England College. We talked about that. At least they've righted the ship since. But they absolutely smoked Salem State. 
Uh, we talked about Salem State earlier on as well. Uh, Augustana lost to Oshkosh as they obviously had a tough start. Guilford's lost to Emory, but they've righted the ship since. Whitman lost to St. Thomas. Baldwin Wallace lost to Westminster. St. John Fisher's lost. And we'll get more losses before Monday when the new Top 25 comes out. Salem State, by the way, as one who voted for them, I've I got egg on my face. Uh, they are 1-4 to start the season. Uh, lost to Suffolk, defeated Anna Maria, then lost to Mass Dartmouth, Keene State, and WPI in the WPI game, as we mentioned, was not close. Um, MIT has struggled out of the gate. York has lost to Roanoke, and it wasn't 74-59. Not sure how close that really was. Wheaton lost to Lake Forest on Wednesday night. Um, or was it Tuesday? MIT lost to Endicott and Mass Boston to start with, beat Eastern Nazarene and Pine Manor. Uh, that's a rough start for the for the engineers. Claremont Mud Scripps lost to Whitworth. Uh, New Jersey City, we mentioned, lost to Stevenson. Scranton's lost to William Patterson. Endicott's lost twice. Eastern Connecticut's lost twice. Pentamona Pitzer's lost Sunni Oneonta has lost twice. Williams has lost. Uh, they lost to Oneonta, interestingly enough. Brockport lost. Brandeis has lost twice to WPI and to Suffolk. And I think the WPI loss is fine, but the Suffolk one certainly will make you scratch your head. Keene State has lost twice. Loris has lost. And Yeshiva has lost. Those are all on the receiving votes. Cat. That's just on the men's side. We haven't even talked about the women's side. So a lot going on. A lot of, of question marks, to be sure. And again, tough and, and tight results. Swarthmore had a tight result. Emory, as we already talked about, has been in some... If you didn't see the Barry game with Emory, that you know, I don't know if that says more about Barry or, or not. Um, and so, the top 25 on Monday is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be topsy-turvy, to say the least, out of the gate. Not sure if we've gotten any tweets so far, as we're literally just rolling here uh, on the show. We haven't even mentioned things, though. It looks like uh, Brendan, our friend, is up there. Uh, Clayton says, when is the podcast available? Uh, game tonight against the Superior. Well, the podcast is always available, uh, and he probably needs me to mention this on Twitter, but the podcast is always available sometime during the evening. we got to take the show, turn it around, uh, and get it produced, and we will do our best to do that. Um, it sometimes takes a little bit of time to do that. So um, it will always be available, you know, within a few hours at the end of the show. The video is available immediately, <clears throat> or relatively speaking, it's ready. Uh, the the, vid- the podcast audio version will be ready. Uh, you know, I think I got it up by about 11 o'clock last week uh, on Sunday. That's off the top of my head. Uh, Brennan asks, who is the winningest active Division three coach now that Glenn Robinson is retired? And who is the winningest active Division three coach on the women's side? That's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, I guess I could call up the NCAA record book um, something I've I've looked at in the past I don't know if I can call it up that quickly maybe we can find out by the time we have uh, uh, Glenn on the show uh, oh here we go Man, might be able to find it faster than I thought but I'll look that up Brennan I'll get you the answer to that for sure um, so again, we'll talk uh, coming up shortly to Bosco Jurakovic from from Carthage. Then we'll talk to Glenn Robinson from Franklin and Marshall. We'll then talk to Meg Barber from NYU, and then we'll wrap it all up chatting to Gordon Mann. Winter sports. Uh, look at this. I'm calling it up. Might be able to do it quickly while I'm chatting with all you folks. Oh, went, went to the wrong link there. Uh, let's see here. Here's to this season's record book. Uh, coaching records. I clicked on the wrong one. I apologize. Sorry, talking you through as we do this. This is fabulous stuff. So, current coaches by winning percentage. Um, this is men's basketball. Uh, that's going to be that's Division One. Hold on, got Division Three is always at the bottom. Got to make our way there. So, bear with us here as we try and find Division Three's answer here. Uh, 
Um, Glenn Robinson was so close to 1,000, too. I'm really surprised. I really thought he there was a chance. Um, by the way, Steve, uh, here we are. Uh, winning his active coaches in Division Three. Interestingly enough, this has already been updated. Uh, by winning percentage, it is John Tower, followed by Steve Moore, Bob Semling, Tom Glynn, and Pat Miller. And that's winning percentage. John Tower's got a 797 winning percentage. In terms of victories, Steve Moore is number two at 846, followed by... Uh, Brian Baptiste at UMass Dartmouth with 645. Dick Perth at Wartburg. Oh, that doesn't sound right. 576. Oh, maybe it's right. Double check that. Uh, Bob McVane at RIT at 572. And then Charlie Brock at Springfield at 557. Now that's going into the season. By the way, number six on the list is Bosco Jurakovic. 552 coming in. He's now at 555. And again, these numbers are going to change. So some of these, if you look, Brock and Jurakovic are five wins apart from each other. Two behind them is Bill Fenlon at DePaul. Uh, Fourteen behind Bill is Todd Raritan at North Central. Ahead of Charlie, he's 15 behind Bob McVane, who's four behind Dick Perth. So there's this group between Dick Perth, or Pe uh, uh, Peth, sorry, keep saying that wrong, and Todd Raritan. You can even maybe slide in Kerry Prather at Franklin. Uh, yeah, Mark Hansen, if we keep going to 508, there's a group there that could change easily uh, by the end of the uh, season or and throughout the season. But your answer to make it quick is Steve Moore at Worcester at 846 coming into the coming into the season. Again, that number has changed already, but he's got a 200 win uh, gap between him and Brian Baptiste. But he was also 140 um, 100. Sorry, misspoke. 120 wins behind. Um, um, Glenn Robinson, and he won't get there. Because remember, Steve Moore has now already announced that he's retiring at the end of the season. He is not winning 120 games to bypass Glenn Robinson. Maybe that's why Glenn decided. We'll talk to him <laughs> about that uh, as well. On the women's side, Division Three women, Let's see here. Um, winning his active coach is GP Gromacki, 500, and uh, that's winning percentage at 887. Brian Morehouse has an 866 winning percentage. Chris Huffman at 832. Brad Fisher at Oshkosh at an 817. Cameron Hill at Trinity at an 816. And this is a minimum of five years, we should point out. That's your top five. Winning us by victories, I should have known this. Andy Yasinoff at Emmanuel, of course, 832 wins. He, he broke the D1 record. He, he blew past Dixie Jeffers a few years ago. But Broke the D1 record, which was sent, uh, uh, set, excuse me, um, uh, by Mike Strong. Um, he last season, Mike Strong was at 8:15, and Yasinov is now passed him at 8:32. And again, not counting this season's record so far. Dixie Jeffers is two at 7:22. Michael Durbin at St. Benedict is a 6:86. Michael Miller at Messiah 6:51, and Julie Blinstrup at Babson is 6:44. With Carola Hay at Randolph Macon at 6:28. Chris Huffman DePaul at 6:21. Then Mary Beth Spark at Moravian, Brian Nemeth at Simpson, and Carrie Herrer at Baldwin Wallace round out and. And Harrow only has a one-win advantage on Brian Morehouse, I should point out. Uh, 
at 582 is Morehouse. That's coming this season. So there you go. So who's who a list? Uh, active, uh, winning us all times, GP Gromacki, who's active right now, has the best winning percentage in Division Three history right now at, at 887. Brian Morehouse, two. Chris Huffman, three. Then you get Gary Fifield, who retired a number of years ago. He's at 828, followed by Robert Guy at Cuca and Suni Geneseo at number five. Mike Strong finishes sixth there, tied with John Ross, though tied per se. He is both at 817. Mike Strong, obviously, with a lot more games there and a lot more years, uh, is number uh, six. By victories, it's Yasinoff, then Strong, then Philip Kaler at uh, St. John Fisher, followed by Nancy Fay at WashU, then Dixie Jeff Jeffers. Um, now, Nancy Fay, I don't know if they're including her D1 totals in there. They've got her listed as such, but I don't know if they're they're splitting those off to be to be clear. And on the men's side, real quick, winning us is Steve Moore by all-time percentages. That's a minimum 10 coaching seasons. He's at 775. That's why John Tower isn't in that. He's got two more years before he can qualify. Bob Semling at 772. Bo Ryan at 760. Uh, again, I think they're only counting the D3 percentages there. Pat Miller at 4. And Jim Borsherding at Augustana is a 758 sitting fifth. So, pretty impressive list. Gonna take a break. When we come back, we will talk to uh, Bosco Jerkovics, which we mentioned, sitting sixth on the active list right now for total wins in Division Three history. We'll talk to him about a lot of things, including their season start. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. 
So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Apologize now to our Facebook friends. Uh, I'm just so used to doing certain things over the last couple of years that we were not able to get the uh, Hoopsville um, show set up, as it were, uh, on our broadcast, and uh, that's my fault. Uh, I will get that solved uh, down the road and, and figure out, make sure we get that as part of our routine. Um, all right, so obviously a lot of things uh, starting out of the season that kind of catch everybody uh, by surprise or maybe catch everybody kind of thinking. One thing that we got an email, uh, Jack Keetle points out, says, how about centers Jack, uh, Jacob Bates, two buzzer beaters in the last two games against Wabash and, and Transy. Uh, good point. Center is off to a good start this season. Um, that win over Transy by one, certainly uh, a solid victory for them. Though That also says Transylvania might be a little bit better position than we thought we were. You talk about upsets, you talk about surprising starts, or at least solid starts. One of the teams you got to be talking about is the Carthage men's basketball team. They defeated Wisconsin uh, Oshkosh, the defending national champs. They're also undefeated. What does it all mean? I, I don't know. They also took on Greenville and, and had a high-scoring affair with Greenville. Does it really mean that much in the grand scheme? I don't know. That's why we talk to the head coaches. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by Buffalo, Te Buffalo Blue Frame Technology, it's Bosco Jerkovic, uh, head coach of Carthage. And coach, thanks for taking the time, sir, to join us. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Hey, um... What do we make of this? The win over Oshkosh is pretty solid, but it also followed up a, a tough, very different style game against Greenville. You guys kind of adjusted well, it looks like. You know what? It's a little bit hard to hear you, Dave. Oh. Re really tinny right now. I'm catching every other word. Did I call you back? No, no. You hold on. Changing something. How's it sound now to you? Still a very tinny. I can hear you a little bit better, but it's still not clear. How about now? Does it sound better now? Yeah, now it's perfect. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure why. I changed some settings, and we made it work. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong guy. If you oh, I know. Change. No, trust me. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep plugging away, as it were. Um, 
so again, we asked you guys have the win over Platteville, or I mean over Oshkosh. That looks pretty solid. That looks pretty impressive. But it came following the Greenville game, which is a completely different style game, a completely different look to it. How did you? Get, it seems like you guys adjusted well, but that's an interesting back to back. What do we make of all of this? I couldn't tell you what to make of it. I know this. <laughs> at, at the end of the game the other night with Oshkosh, there were less points scored than were scored in the first half against Greenville. Oshkosh is a very good three-point shooting team. I believe was four for 28 the other night. So that means we played good defense, right? Sure. Against, against Greenville, they made 25 out of 49. You know what kind of defense that is exactly. on any given day. So, <laughs> you know, you, you line them up every day and you try to – select what you think is going to work and fortunately this part of the season things are going quite nicely but how do you adjust because the greenville game that we're, we're talking grinnell style up and down high scoring you just pointed out the scoring differences and the shooting differences oshkosh good team but they're not going to go necessarily that kind of up-tempo style you've got to change gears and practice and think differently how do you go about doing that Again, that's tough. It's Greenville that's the tough team to prepare for, not Oshkosh. Sure. Oshkosh got a wonderful team, but they play like most of the teams in our league, so you're going to prepare pretty standardly. When you try to prepare against Greenville, what a tough role it is at practice. Your scout team guys don't know quite what to do, and <laughs> you know the coach doesn't know quite what to do, so that's interesting. And uh, you know, I don't know that I'd want to play Greenville every year, but they've got a good team. He's got some good athletes, and uh, they're going to do well this year, I believe. Yeah, they've certainly been in the mix the last few years. It's been fun to watch them. Um, again, you're right. Greenville's a tougher one, but I've always been told, especially by teams out in that area, that the 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 re, the recovery from a from a Grinnell type game is the toughest. That the next two three games can actually be very difficult because you got to get that other mentality that you got ready for out of your head. You didn't seem to have that that layover. Granted, you haven't played Finlandia yet, but it it seems like you haven't had a kind of a hangover, as it were. You know what, I think you're right as far as that's concerned. I, I do think what does make a little bit of a difference is if you catch Greenville in a tournament setting where you're playing back-to-back, -back, or in the case of our tournament this weekend, our game's at 8 o'clock Friday night, and the championship game hopefully is at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. That may be really something that takes it out of you. This way we had two days of practice. We had one kind of a casual day as far as physical play, and then we went after it pretty hard on Monday, and hopefully that got us ready. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, again, 3-0 start. Let's talk about a little bit more of the Oshkosh game. Team everybody knows at this point, having made back-to-back uh, -back trips to the championship game and winning a national title last year. Obviously a little bit different team without boots and such, but you've got Flynn. He fouled out late against you guys. How, do, how did you guys prepare for him? What were you expecting, and what do you think worked so well? Well, what's interesting about this group of guys here at Carthage is that for the first time in a while, we're really big. We have two legitimate 6'10 and 6'11 guys that both start together, and they're both very different but very effective defensive players. So Flynn is a heck of a player, and he had a good night, but he had to earn everything he got. We did a really good job on some of the others, and uh, fortunately it worked out because we were better defensively than offensively because they play such good defense. Sure. Did you guys have a, a specific mentality, or is it at this part of the season it's still so much about making sure what you do right works offensively and defensively? That would be yes and yes. Because <laughs> having watched the tapes of their two games, and they won in Rock Island over Augustana yeah. and at North Central, and both those teams were so Flynn-conscious that they doubled Flynn all night long, and that sort of opened some things up for some of their other guys. We decided we were going to try not to do that. Now, Flynn got off to a good start. He did get in foul trouble, which helped us. 
got off to a good start, but helped us limit their other people, their perimeter people, because I think they're still working their perimeter people into their scheme. As, as well as they have started, their perimeter guys, this isn't noon and boots that they've had for so many years. You know, that's uh, those guys seem to have been at Oshkosh for as long as Wartel was here, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. seems like they were there for eight or nine years. That's how good of players they were. That's very true. They do seem like they've been there forever. I, I thought Flynn was graduating at one point last year, too. So uh, I can feel the pain for a lot of people. Uh, this is a team you, you mentioned big. I'm looking at it. You, you've got six, seven, a whole plethora of six, six guys, two, six, eleven guys. Uh, you definitely seem like a. Well, this is going to sound strange. More of a prototypical CCIW team. You know it is. It is one thing about the CCIW. You better be big. You better be physical. And I, I'm still not sure that we're going to be as physical as I'd like us to be. But our size overall is very, very good. And uh, anytime you can start that, it, it's hard for teams to score at the rim against us. That's always a benefit. And then hopefully your offense can follow suit and you have a good season. I mean, we were dreadful last year. We were a little bit unlucky, but we were definitely ungood. So this is a, a nice start for us, and we hope we can build on it. Yeah, unfortunately, 13-12 and 12 last season, coming off an 18-8 and 8 season, the campaign before. Though there was back-to-back 10-15s, and 15s, I'm sure you're glad you're not talking about those right now. Absolutely. I mean, those, you know, we, we've gone through some ups and downs. We've had some great years here recently. We've also had some years we'd like to give back. Yeah. And this, this is a year that you know, we're very optimistic. The guys are very focused on what they're trying to get done. We've got a nice, experienced group. We've got some seniors playing. got some juniors playing. We've got a heck of a freshman. So we'll see how it goes. Roster says 23 online. The stats say 13. That's at least you're showing depth early, and you seem to have even more depth if necessary. Well, you never have more depth than necessary because you never know what happens as far as injuries and whatnot come up. But we do have good depth in size. We do have good depth on the perimeter. We're using three different people at points. We're using three or four different people at the threes and the fours. And so far, so good. You also have seven seniors, and you're led by uh, several of them. Jordan. Kudrowski, your leading scorer at this point in the season, obviously a couple games in, still at 20 points a game, though. you got four guys in double figures, Sean Johnson, uh, Philip Bolotovic, and, and Kean in Baltimore, personal favorite of mine from the area we're in, all in double figures. What do we make of this team? What are the nuances to appreciate if we're tuning into a, a Carthage basketball game? It is an experienced basketball team. Kean Baltimore is well over 1,000 points in his career. He's an accomplished scorer four-year player who understands what it takes. Uh, he was part of a conference championship team a couple of years ago, as was Brad Perry. Brad Perry missed all of last year. That's one of the 6'11 big guys inside. He missed all of last year with a knee injury. He's back and as good as ever. Sean Johnson, the other 6'11, continues to get better. He's an opposite of Perry. Perry's 6'11, probably 285. Johnson's a lean 6'11 who runs and jumps and blocks shots. Bill Bolotovich is as good as any freshman in our league, and uh, that always is a good thing to say. So he's going to have a heck of a good career here as well. And Chris Cook, who out of high school might have been the the biggest name of the bunch. He was a year at Southern Illinois Carbondale. He was a year at Ranger, Texas, playing for Billy Gillespie, the old Kentucky coach, and decided to come up here. We had several Niles Northers before and couldn't go last year with a foot in the knee. Now he's back, good athlete playing the point for us and doing a very fine job. You're in your 24th season at Carthage. We should remember, if nobody remembers, North Park is where you came from after you played at Carthage. You had a little success at North Park, if anybody doesn't know. A couple national championships there. 
But what's it been like, you know, over the last few years at Carthage for yourself? Uh, a program, as you said, been up and down a little bit. Seems like maybe we're back in the conversation. What's what's it been like the last five some odd years? It's an interesting situation. This has been a great place for me and for my family. That's what everybody says, but it's the absolute truth. All three of my kids are Carthage graduates. All three have gone on and done well. Steve was a heck of a player, as you remember, about 10 years ago. as my assistant coach. And uh, my other two kids, Mandy and Pete, are doing very well. The wife, Becky, is a wonderful support system for all of us. And uh, it's been a great place to be. Uh, would we like to be as good as we were every year? Of course we would. Hopefully that's where we're heading this year. But it's still been a very, very special place. And shoots, uh, if we get to January 1st here, this is a, yeah. a trivia piece. Because my career covers breakage on both ends, this will be the seventh decade that I'll have been a part of the CCIW. That's incredible. Again, player, coach, several t- programs. Players starting in 69. Yeah. Yeah. Working with Coach McCarroll for 10 years, being the coach at North Park for 10 years, and now 24 years here. So I started in 69, and January 1 will be in 2020. It's crazy, isn't it? It, it is. I was going to say, you don't look a day over 50, so I'm pretty impressed. Uh... I appreciate that. That's a convertible, <laughs> a dog who gets a lot of walking. So, you know, if you got there a sun can, I think it looks younger. There you go. By the way, one of your sons played four years at Carthage in football. Did he get confused as to which sport he was supposed to be playing? <laughs> he was such a good athlete. I think he made the right choice. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to bore your listeners, but I tell a good story about Pete. Pete was such a fine athlete. I went out to see him play eighth grade, and he had a quadruple double. Unfortunately, one of them was turnovers. So I told <laughs> him after the game, and I said, Pete, if somebody doesn't know who your dad is, tell them policeman, doctor, garbage man, it doesn't matter. Don't admit the basketball coach. <laughs> so, or, or his mother. Or his mother. He played, uh, he played basketball his freshman year, and then he just concentrated on baseball and football. Played on the state championship baseball wow. team. Really, really good athlete. But we tell that story, and he, he appreciates that he gets a kick out of it. Hey, is, your wife's also a decent basketball coach in her own right. She was. She won a conference championship at North Park. Yeah. Coached for several years at the local high school here, and she's uh, retired as of last June. And right now, she's sitting in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'm sure enjoying dinner after watching our women's volleyball team win in the round of eight and head to the round of four tomorrow. Uh, I think Pete probably feels left out. Uh, now I don't know what Amanda played, but she's involved with sports information there. Uh, at oh, she does everything here. Mandy was a good player. Mandy was a, you know, she didn't play in college, but she was a very fine high school player. She's a okay. six footer. She played basketball and volleyball in high school. Oh, she's six footer playing those two sports. That's outstanding. Um, I always enjoy chatting with you. What do you, uh, before I let you go, I want to get an idea. I know you haven't started CCIW playing. It won't start for a little while here, but what do you make of it? Augustana has been the power the last few years. Obviously they've lost a lot of their horses that, that kind of got them up there. Does that make the CCIW wide open, or there's still some top dogs everyone's going to have to go through? It's a very interesting question. North Central on paper should be the team to beat. They've got the most back, and they've been very good the last couple of years. Uh, it'll be an interesting matchup, and we play them here, first conference game in about two weeks. And it'll be an interesting battle because our size is so different. They don't have size. But their experience and their perimeter players are really good. And Coach Raritan's son is as good a player as is in this league. Really an outstanding player. So they should be on paper the team to beat Augustana's tradition the last 15 years deserves to have them in the conversation. And you know that Illinois Wesleyan is always going to be good. So it, it is a good year to have a good team because I don't think the top end 
sticks out like it has the last couple, three years. Sure. Having said that, you never know what's going to happen. And one thing about our league, and, and again, a story that I like to tell, that if somebody goes undefeated this year in the CCIW, it will be the first time since 1973. Yeah. That, that includes Jack Sigma and Michael Harper and Michael Barrich and Michael Starks and uh, the Wesleyan team that won a national championship and the Wirtels and all the Augustanas. Nobody has gone undefeated in campus play. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, a very good point. Speaking of Michael Harper, I got a question from uh, our good friend Gordon Mann. He wants to know if you went to his induction ceremony at the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame. I did not get a chance to do so, but I was able to communicate with Coach McCarroll, who I believe was there, and uh, Michael and I exchanged notes occasionally, and uh, you know, couldn't be more proud of him. He was a terrific guy, and man, you could argue, based on three national championships, that there may never have been a better Division three player than Michael Harper. Interesting. I obviously didn't get a chance to see him. I'm taking your word for it, but again, I'm not dating you. Uh, I'm trying to keep the age out of this, Coach. Uh, it's been too long. we got to talk to you more often. It's always a fun chat. I appreciate you taking the time, especially early in the season, to chat about your squad. Uh, I look forward to seeing how you guys do the rest of the way. We look forward to talking about the women's program at some point as well. As always, we go. We give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Always a pleasure. You guys do a great job. The Division Three basketball discussion has changed dramatically, and it's because of you guys, and that's always to be appreciated. Hopefully we'll have a good season. Give me a call anytime. Always nice to visit. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you. Moscow Jerakovic joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Um, he says the the conversation division three has changed because of us. I hope change for the good. <laughs> I hope not that we haven't thrown a, a curveball that people wish we had. But uh, I, I joke. But I appreciate him coming on. We always have a good time. Always has a great comment. You can probably take a couple quotes out of that uh, and enjoy it thoroughly. So I uh, appreciate it. I, I realize my volume might be a little bit down, folks. I'm going to work on that here in the. Uh, in the interim, there we go. My audio is a little bit back up now. Uh, we'll work on that and continue to improve it. I, I made a change to the audio board, and apparently it didn't work out because Bosco couldn't hear us. So we'll work on that uh, moving forward. Um, a couple quick other notes, by the way, we didn't get to. Uh, we mentioned the North Park. Uh, he's got a couple of championships. He's only one of four active Division three coaches who've won multiple national titles. Bob Semling's another one off the top of uh, my head. If you And uh, John Tower. So that's three. Who's the fourth? I should know that, and it's just not coming to me right now. I mean, I guess you could say Dave Hickson, but is he considered active? I guess I would go with Dave Hickson, right? So Dave Hickson, Bob Semling, Bosco Jerkovic, and uh, John Tower. No, because John didn't win the second one. John was an assistant for St. Thomas's first, so he's out. So I've got three. Ooh, I'm going to have to figure out who that fourth is. It's probably obvious, and I'm just not... I'm not picking up on it. Why am I not picking up on it? Maybe it's Steve Moore. Oh, I should know that. That's a great trivia question. If anybody has it, fire it at us. At Twitter, always works for us. We enjoy it on Twitter. I know a couple of people have fired at us on Twitter. One person asking us, um, what was it? Uh, who is, no, no, where was it? Oh, come on. Um, what is the Fire Stick app, view, app to view the show? So if you have an OTT, which is basically over the, over the something. I always forget this. Um, OTA is what I'm used to, over the air. <laughs> OTT, basically you can watch it on Amazon Fire, Android TV, um, Apple TV, or Roku. However you watch one of those four devices or systems, 
you can find the Team One Sports app. It's the Team One Sports app. Look for that. You'll then find us. Go to like edit sites where right now it's probably live sitting on there on the front page. But you can go to edit sites, find us in the sites of stuff. There's a bunch of D3 schools in there as well. Just find us and you can watch along. I think that was my friend Andrea who posted that question. And it is. I hope Andrea got the message. If not, we'll try and fire back at her. All right, going to take a break. When we come back, speaking of winning us and, and championship, all that fun stuff, Glenn Robinson joins us to talk about why he decided to hang it up. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Back with more Hoopsville when we return. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. 
and now everyone else is speechless. Back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. Hope you're enjoying the show, whether it's on demand or not on demand. You might be listening on demand. You might be listening to the podcast. But if you're listening to us live, we hope you're enjoying it either on your mobile phone, your smart device of some kind, your TV, uh, your computer, or on your uh, OTTs, those Roku apps, Amazon Fires, etc. Again, look for the Team One Sports app if you're not familiar. We do know it works, this show, and we do know people are tuned in. And we appreciate it. Technology is pretty cool. This show has gone from being an audio-only show to now streaming over Roku apps and stuff. It's 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 a little bit mind-blowing. By the way, quick note, I want to mention this because we'll mention it later. You may notice we changed our jersey over my right-hand shoulder sitting on the door that had been Brockport and Ramapo last week or on Sunday's show. We might get in a habit of changing it, but tonight, that is John Carroll's jersey. It's up there for a reason. We will talk about it later in the show. And why our hearts are with John Carroll. Uh, so quickly, I'm going to go back to a little bit of a side note as we bring in our next guest. And, and it's only to, to preface something. If you did not follow, Franklin and Marshall men's basketball had an unfortunate incident in their first home game of the season against York. And the game had to be postponed. I do not know if it's been made up. I meant to look into it and I forgot to. Um, there was a sit-in protest by students on campus. Uh, as I understand it, they were going to be given some time to discuss their protest, which had been going on all day. Uh, they decided to instead interrupt the game. The game was ended up being postponed. Um, the protests had to do with actions and, and outfits for Halloween that were um, chosen by soccer players and basketball players and maybe some others uh, that were racially insensitive, extremely insensitive. I bring it up only to say this. Glenn Robinson, interestingly enough, retired around the same time, um, right after Halloween. But we're not going to discuss that with him because... As I understand it, he was not aware of what was going on when he made his decision. I suspect this decision was all off-season anyway in the making. So in case you're wondering, we will not discuss that. When we have more information on the game and we can talk more about it with Franklin and Marshall, we'll certainly will. But please understand, we will not talk about it coming up now. Glenn Robinson is the winningest coach in Division Three men's basketball history. Just shy, in my opinion, of of uh, the, the 1,000 win mark. So his retirement Retirement was a little bit surprising, but if you dive into it, it wasn't. Again, a year ago, we were talking about him missing some games because the beginning of the season in the first couple of months because of health concerns. He also missed the previous season some games because of health concerns. I'm quite sure that's part of it. But when I picked up the phone to call him for this segment, I haven't heard him sound happier. So it's with my pleasure that he joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the former head coach of the Franklin and Marshall Diplomats. It is Glenn Robinson. And, sir, thank you so much for taking taking the time to join us. My pleasure, Dave. Uh, anything we can do for Division Three basketball. 
always anxious to do it. Well, I appreciate that. You and I certainly have known each other a lot over the years. It's been fun to watch your career at such a, a close distance to me, to be honest with you. I feel like I didn't get to enough games uh, there at the, uh, we'll call it the Robinson Center, uh, because uh, it's synonymous with you. you. You've been there since the beginning in the ten- of your career. I mean, you played there, you immediately, or you went there, you immediately took over as head coach upon graduating roughly. It wasn't technically immediately. You have been synonymous with the diplomats. It had to have been a tough decision to decide to walk away. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, obviously, it's the type of thing that when you get to be my age, you start thinking about. And uh, I just felt that uh, basketball takes so much energy, and you need you need enthusiasm to do it well. And I just felt that uh, I, I did not want to go out shortchanging my team. Uh, always felt like the most important thing was the players and and your relationship with them. And I just didn't want to go through a year just to go through it. Sure. Did did the health concerns of the last couple of years, the time missed from those seasons, I assume did that, that played a role in this? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, you know, I had I had uh, you know some stents put in my heart, and and uh, I'm like the bionic man now. So <laughs> it, uh, it's amazing what medicine can do for you. So they put me back together, and and I'm feeling great. And um, I was uh, as usual looking forward to practice every day. But it just got to the point where I felt like. Um, the team would do better with with someone else there instead of me. I just felt like uh, hmm. the amount of energy and enthusiasm you needed to do it right. Um, I, I, we had a, a bunch of late practices in a row, and I was just uh, close to exhausted, and just felt like I wasn't doing a great job of it. Well, that's another part of this, is you decided to retire just days before the season started. Um, from what I've gathered, the decision was probably made a few days before it was announced, which is not that surprising, especially when it's such a significant announcement. But again, just days beforehand, you obviously had gotten into the practices at that point in time. Is it tough to get up in the last few seasons? Is it tough to kind of get revved up for a season when, when you know the season's going to be also a grind? No, it wasn't so much tough to get revved up. I, I love basketball. I love coaching. I always felt like uh, practice was the best part. The games were kind of a necessary evil of the job. But um, I just love doing things to try to prepare the team. And our whole thing was reaching potential. It just was always what we tried to do. And um, when you see young players coming along and you see what you think they can do, uh, it's so exciting to to watch them get there and, and to try to have something to do with helping them get there. Uh, so it wasn't so much that. It just felt like um, I was, I was uh, lacking some of the enthusiasm and energy that I've always had, and I just didn't want to shortchange the team. I, I felt like it could be a really good team, and... Of course, Nick Deshaies had been with me. This is his eighth year, yeah. and, and uh, I just felt like he was really ready to do it. I, when we, when you and I talked last season, early on, when you had decided to take a break, I know you and I talked off air, 
And one of the things you shared with me that you wanted to share with everybody is what you've been saying now, and is you didn't want to shortchange the team. And in that case, it was, listen, I can be there for practice, but I don't have a lot of energy right now with my health concerns to be able to be with the team on the road. I probably shouldn't be at home games either. This isn't fair to them. Let me just take a step back and let the coaching staff stay somewhat consistent. That seems to have been a, a, a something you've preached for a long time, but only in the last few years have you really had to kind of utilize it. Yeah, I've been so fortunate. I, I actually went fifty consecutive years without missing a day. I, I didn't miss. I didn't miss a day of work. I didn't miss a single practice. I never missed a game. And um, I've told the story before. You know, some days I was fighting the flu or something, yeah. so I might not have been on top of my game. But I was there, and I was giving it everything I had. And and uh, so I was very fortunate. And then last year, I just went through some of the things you you go through as you get older. And um, the, the one, I, I actually had an accident and I fell. And when I went into the hospital for that, they discovered some of these other things. And um, you know, I had some problems with my arteries, so they had to go in and, and uh, put stents in there and stretch them out and, <laughs> and uh, get the blood flowing again. Uh, that is the worst, isn't it, when you go in for A? And they find B, C, D, E, and F. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the old good, the good news, bad news speech yeah. from from the uh, emergency room doc. Glenn, and that's you, actually what I got. You're you're a lot older than I, and I don't mean that as a negative. I just mean I've had it happen to me. I'm almost a little worried about my future. Um, I've, I've had those incidents where I go in for A, and the doc starts asking me about the other things, and all of a sudden we're heading a different road. And uh, I, I wasn't pleased to go see my doctor on that visit. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the career. I, I, I dare, I feel like I shouldn't ask this question because it's, it's, it's probably impossible to answer. But do you have any moments when you look back that stand out as some of the biggest highlights in, in what was a, a very long and very successful career? Well, honestly, um, when I announced my retirement i thought i was going to be able to make a nice little quiet announcement and slink off into the night <laughs> and um, I, I was i couldn't have been more wrong it, it was um so different than what i expected and um, one of the reasons was i had this flood of memories and uh, no matter what i did it would remind me of something else and it would be things like um, I, I had uh, two Taylor brothers, uh, Alan and Art. They're, they're both like super successful. They both have law degrees. They're both really successful in business. But what I remembered was at Alan's wedding, Art sang. And it's just one of those things. I'd known him all those years. I'd known him <laughs> as a coach. I saw him playing basketball. I had no idea he had such a beautiful voice sure. and the courage to get up in front of a crowd and sing. So it's stuff like that that have little or nothing to do with on-the-court activities, but they're things you remember forever. Sure. Oh. And, and, uh, and then the games, you know, the – the uh, you know the Jersey City game, which we were so fortunate to host, which was our first Final Four, right. and the place was packed, and we, we we got to win by enough of a margin that I could take the players out one at a time, and the crowd would chant each name as I took them out, 
And then they just started chanting Rock Island, Rock Island, <laughs> because that's where the final four was. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're just so fortunate. We've been to five final fours. Yeah. Every one of them, the game to get there was really, really memorable um, and, and completely different. Some of them were home with big crowds chanting names. Others were on the road. Um, where you you know you had your loyal followers and parents and and that was about it. Yep. And uh, but but the you know the game was just as meaningful and the game took turns that uh, I know one time we beat Catholic to advance and they had a really good team and about halfway through the second half their big man turned his ankle oh. and you know, just really helped us out. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I still feel like we, we would have found a way to win the game, but that, that definitely helped us. And, uh, and just on and on and on. And then even, you know, a few of the, um, oh, they, the, there was one where we were ranked number one in the country and we were playing Rochester, who was the defending national champion. And uh, again, packed house had to shut the doors an hour before the game because wow. they couldn't take any more people. And um, we were down seven with 45 seconds to go to a really good team and came back and won. And um, it's just one of those, you know, never forget that kind of atmosphere and that, that kind of comeback from your team. And, um, and then, you know, end up going to the Final Four again, which is always so exciting. Uh, so there's just so many things, it, and it just goes on and on and on. I, I know this one's tough. Five Final Fours, as you mentioned, no national championships. Is, is that a, a regret? Well, sure, I'd like to win a couple national championships. Yeah. But um, it's it just like... Um, I, you know, I was obviously listening to the show and, and some of your lead in, you're talking about thousand and, and people do get excited about round numbers. That, that, just was, <laughs> that was just never a motivation for me. Um, I, I, I coached because I loved it and I love working with the players and, and I, I even love the recruiting part of it. So it was just uh, a fantasy uh, being to live this life. And um the fact that uh, there's a number up there that somebody else thinks I should stay around to win, it, it just it just wasn't anything I ever uh, was trying to attain. And, and so, you know, it, it wasn't a part of the decision at all. It wasn't like, oh, because, I mean, I could keep coaching. If, if that was my goal and all I wanted to do was win a few more games, I could certainly do that. But um, – it just wasn't the motivation at all. Thirty-three wins short of a thousand. I know you you, you point that out, but uh, I mean that's that's a heck of a number um, to say the least. Um, I, I understand why you don't do it, so I won't ask the follow-up as as if it was on your mind. But interesting, you have some other interesting kind of, of moments in your career. I, I'm not going to be able to name them all. One of them that jumps out to me was, I believe F and M was in the last con uh, consolation game in men's championship weekend history because that was yeah. in. 2009 in 2010 we started the all-star game um you've obviously been around since the advent of the centennial conference which has become such a uh, a fascinating and powerful conference in the mid-atlantic region you, you you're synonymous with winning seasons i actually did a double take when i looked back you uh 
you had a couple bad seasons a long time ago. Uh, back in 2008, you were 12 and 13. In 2007, uh, you were 8 and 17. It seems like forever ago because you always win 20 win seasons. What's been the secret that the, of the longevity and the ability to win at FNM? Well, I mean, the secret's having good players that that continue to work to get better. That's that's not much of a secret, but that's it. Um, and and the reason we've been able to get so many good players, uh, you know, if you've been, you've been on campus, you've been to Franklin and Marshall. It's it has just about everything you could ask for. It's, mm-hmm. it's got a, a, a wonderful history. You know, it's part of American history with Ben Franklin starting the college and. Um, you know, it's been around a long time. It's, it has a beautiful location, and um, it just keeps getting better. We attained all that ground across the street, and yeah. now all the athletic facilities that are being built there are world-class. And, um, you know, the biggest thing, of course, is the prestige of the institution itself. It's just a great academic institution. So when you take location and reputation and, um, you know, Kids are trying to go on and, and uh, have success in their life and get into med school, get into law school, get a great job in business. Um, you know, school like Franklin and Marshall is the place to get that done. And so a lot of those people also want to play basketball at a high level. And um, so early on, uh, it was tough. You, you could sit on any row of the bleachers and look all the way down to the end of the gym and you'd be the only one there. There would be no one else sharing that bleacher with you. Um, but as we, we got players early on, that enabled you to then visit and get in the homes of better and better players. And, and once we got that going, um, you know, a lot of times they recruit them for you. They're you know, they have a, a, a former teammate or someone else from their conference in high school, and, you know, they're doing well at Franklin and Marshall, and they like it, so they tell them about it or they tell me about them, and you go and visit them. And, and again, once they visit, uh, we, we actually have never had trouble um, having people want to come. It's it's the other steps, you know, being sure. able to get them admitted and, and making sure that they can afford to come that, that uh, set up the roadblocks. But... We've never had trouble getting getting good players to want to be here. Uh, the game has changed a lot, and that might be an understatement uh, in your career, uh, since it dates back to the to the the nineteen sixties. Off the top of my head, um, what it is tough enough to stay up with the game. Period. How hard was it to stay up with the game and and its evolutions and to stay competitive, not only competitive, but good, Uh, a a perennial team to consider for the top 25 if you're not a top 25 team? How difficult was it for you to stay almost ahead of the curve to some degree? Well, I don't think you realize you're doing it while you're doing it. It just, you know, you have the changes, but it's it's one year at a time. And, you know, the, the big things, of course, were the, the introduction of the shot clock and now, con- you know, consistent shortening of the shot clock. So yeah. you have to keep adjusting that. But the big one, the three-point line. And, and now the adjustment of the line, it, it keeps changing. And um, – I know as someone who loves the game and, and um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be on a number of committees and so on, and you, you just want to do what's best, not not necessarily for your team, but for the game itself. And uh, you really have to worry when they, they put something in like that and then they start messing around with the distance. Mm-hmm. And, and you get, uh, number one, you get everybody playing the same way, which I don't think is a good thing. 
And number two, you get just, you know, too many of one thing, which in this case, a three point shot. Sure. Um, and so I, I think you want balance and you want variety. You want people able to, to win with different types of players and different styles. I think it's more interesting if that can happen. So, um, you know, again, question is, how do you adjust to it? Well, it, it's just one step at a time. And you, you, I always just tried to play what was best for our team. The, the one year we went to the final four, three-point shot was the rage. Everybody was doing it. And we, we actually came really close to winning a national championship yeah. that year. We had a really good team and, yeah. and, a, and a great great point guard with Giorgio. But we were last in America in three-point shots. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not fifth, last. <laughs> so in other words, you didn't necessarily get up to that and, speed. And, and so we didn't always adjust that quickly. <laughs> but it, it just happened to be good for our team, sure. um, you know, to take the ball to the basket and shoot mid-range shots and try to get fouled and all those things. But, sure. Um, uh, you know, you just have to try to do what's best for your players and, and – figure it out. Sometimes you, you start the season one way and and uh, in my case it's, it, it's, it's usually luck. <laughs> it's usually something that I didn't plan on but we end up making a change and that change really springboards the theme to success. Sure. Well, I, I got a couple other quick questions. I could talk to you forever. We should probably have planned more time. I appreciate the time, but I got a couple quick questions. One of them comes from a, a favorite referee of yours, Marty. He says, shout out to Coach Robinson. Even the referees will miss his quote-unquote reminders on the sidelines. Uh, you and the referees certainly had your moments during your career, sir. Well, I actually really, really, really like the referees. I, I, you know, I was always um, reminded I had to fight for my team and sure. do the very best I could every single night, and and so I would do that. But it was never um, anything where I didn't like or, or in fact, the opposite. I, I really enjoyed the uh, the officials, and I I thought that when they made the change. We used to be able to talk before the games. They they would be on your side of the floor, and mm-hmm. you could talk for a little bit. And you actually got to know uh, a little bit more personally uh, what they were like. And um, and then they would have meetings at the end of the year, and occasionally over the course of my career, they had you know golf outings and so on, mm-hmm. which I I thought were the best possible thing you could do. Um, it seems like. Uh, and I'm sure there's a reason for it, but they just kept separating us more and more over the years uh, so that you hardly got to know them. But I, I really think highly of the officials. I know because I do it every day in practice. It is one difficult job. Yeah. And they keep changing um, the rules and they have to look for more and more stuff. And, you know, you got lines here and there, and you have to make counts, and then you have to see if he's, you know, got a partial part of his heel in the restricted arc, and that changes the call. And, and so it's a tough job, and I really uh, have enjoyed getting to know the officials throughout my whole career. Per that, Ryan Scott uh, asks if you're going to be able to be, when you if you move the stands and are at the game, are you going to be able to sit there and enjoy the game, or are you going to still have the urge to shout out reminders to the officials? <laughs> uh, I can't make any promises. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I, um, I uh, have a difficult time. Um, they have this award, the Schoenfeld Award, mm-hmm. and every year it goes to the you know the, the coach that 
seems to get along best with the officials for the season. And every year I would I would say I, I'm going to win the Schoenfeld Award this year. And I'm, I'm not going to say a word. And that lasted exactly one whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how quick. And, and my Schoenfeld Award days were, were gone. So... Um, Anyway, I, I really get into the games. It, it is what it is. I, I've tried to be uh, calm. Uh, I always admired the way John Wooden coached and how he could always think way ahead and just sit there with the rolled-up program and his legs crossed. But that just wasn't me. Uh-huh. You know, it didn't matter how hard I tried to be like that. I just couldn't do it. So I just tried to be uh, as authentic as I could. And um, as I said, I really respect the officials, but... Uh, since it is such a difficult job, sometimes I need a little help. <laughs> and your view is, is is perfect for it, right? Yes. I yes. really thought that they should just have the official sit over there where I am because you see the game so much better for me. <laughs> so well put. <laughs> uh, Coach, I really appreciate the time. I've enjoyed our conversations over the years, uh, including uh, up at your place during my, uh, milestone events or whether it's, uh, well, from either individual wins for yourself or for the team moving on to different events. I appreciate the time you've given us uh, and the uh, willingness to be on the show. Uh, we will miss you on the sidelines. I have a feeling, a gut feeling we'll see you sometime on the sideline again, but more importantly, I know we'll run into each other. Um, good luck uh, in the retirement phase. Uh, let us know how you're doing with that and what you're up to. And as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, you know, when you when you do something as long as I have, it, it always comes back to the relationships. And it's just been such a wonderful life to uh, coach all the players I've coached and deal with uh, I don't think I've ever had a parent uh, say anything negative or try to get playing time for their sons or whatever. I had one parent in, in 50 years talk to me, and during the talk he said, uh, he named his son, I won't name his name, but he said, I think I think the team's doing a little better when he's not in there. <laughs> so, really? The advice I ever got from a parent was that uh, maybe the son wasn't helping us as much. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's just been uh, so fast and so enjoyable that uh, I just want to thank everybody that has been involved. Well, uh, we've enjoyed watching. Congratulations yet again. I know it was a tough decision. We respect you for it and look forward to running you into you, like I said, down the road. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon, I hope. Thanks so much, Dave, and thanks for all you do for Division Three. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Take care. Glenn Robinson joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Um, his wife always came to the games. She would certainly be vocal in the stands as well. you got to wonder, will he sit next to it? Will they both come to games? Will she, he sit next to her and, and all that? And, and actually, that's a real serious question. I was uh, calling a game last night, um, and I was, I was interested in the fact that some of the, uh, there was an assistant coach from the previous regime there. And I know they're from the area, but I was surprised that they came. I think sometimes that different different situation, absolutely different situation. But, you know, I, I know coaches who want to stay away. I have a feeling Glenn does not. Uh, he'll be involved. But at the same time, he should be. Um, 
We're going to miss him on the diplomat sideline, to say the least, uh, though we congratulate the team. And uh, Nick uh, Nache, as he takes over the interim role. By the way, quick update. I do see that FNM will play York. This time it will be at York. Uh, instead of being at FNM, it'll be December 1st, uh, that game at 3 o'clock. So they at least have made up that game, which is good. Neither team loses that game. It doesn't have to go in, in whether it was a forfeit and all that other jazz, which is just a waste. We are way behind time. I apologize to our NYU coach. We're going to get to her next. Uh, we will talk women's basketball with her and then Gordon Mann coming up on the show as well. So we got to move things along. Again, I could have talked to Glenn Robinson for an hour, and I think it would have been fascinating. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. 
I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal training and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Thursday evening, running a little bit behind, but that's because we had such a great chat with Glenn Robinson. Uh, by the way, a, a shout-out to Brennan. He got me the one I forgot. Um, Whitewater's men's basketball coach got two titles. Um, so Pat Miller's got two. So there's my missing one. So it's Pat Miller. It's probably Dave Hickson. I don't think – I would think that would be included, even though he's on an interim – he's on a sabbatical right now. Um, Bosco Jerakovic and uh, – oh, I just forgot the other one, darn it. <laughs> I knew, uh, who, who am I forgetting? Oh, Bob Semling. So two WIAC coaches, a CCIW coach, and an SCAC coach. Those are the t four coaches in Division Three active who have won multiple titles or more. I knew it was somewhere there. And some coaches have come awfully darn close, too, by the way. I mean, Glenn, Robin Glenn Robinson with five Final Fours, folks. I mean, that's tough. That's tough to do, and uh, enjoy chatting with him. Appreciate his time. All right, so moving on to the next segment, uh, talking women's basketball now. We'll transition. Coming up later, Gordon Mann will join us from D3Hoops.com. He'll break down his thoughts on the preseason top 25, what we might see shake and bake uh, coming into next week, and, and most importantly, what else has jumped out at him. Always love chatting with Gordon. But first, let's talk about a team that's certainly gathered some headlines, um, or if they haven't, they should. Uh, at first, I was like, okay, beat St. Joseph's of Brooklyn rather easily, beat Farmingdale State rather easily Sarah Lawrence we don't even need to talk about how easily that game was okay sure but they beat Stevens 98-77 this weekend and it's not going to get any easier they got Cabrini ahead of them in their next matchup they've got a couple other games in there as well before they get into UAA action NYU is being coached by the alum Meg Barber and she joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline coach thanks so much for taking the time to join us I really appreciate it Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Um, okay, be honest with us. I, I can see you saying, yeah, 3-0. and right, we, we were going to start 3-0. and 4-0? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've had that one circled on our schedule. You know, we, we dropped the game at Stevens uh, last right. year. So, you know, certainly going into this one, we kind of felt like that would be one of our tougher challenges in our non-conference schedule. And, um, you know, I was thrilled with the way we came out of the gates. And, you know, Stevens didn't let up at all. So it was nice to see us be able to put a full 40 minutes together to complete the game. Well, and that's been a consistent perennial um NCAA tournament team, top 25 con you know, contender. They're switching conferences, which will certainly make things interesting this year going to the MAC Freedom. So that's a good barometer for you. Nothing in St. Lawrence that isn't. But you also didn't have, uh, we'll use a word we used earlier, hangover from the St. Lawrence <laughs> game because that was a 99-18 victory. And, and I know a lot of teams who would win that kind of game and go into the next one thinking, yeah, it's it, it might be tougher, but it's still easy. 
Yeah, you know, we put a lot of focus just on, you know, the focus on ourselves and improving in every moment we have to be together. Certainly, you know, we've only been together really on the court just a few weeks, so I think our players are thrilled to be out there playing together, and, you know, they see this as a challenge, a measuring stick. You know, they they wanted to see how they could do, um, you know, losing one player from our squad last year and coming into the game just to see where we were, and I think they definitely passed the test. Last year was your first season taking over uh, in what was surprising news, to be honest, uh, of a coaching vacancy at NYU women's basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, was it surprising to you? And, and what did, I guess the you know, being the alma mater, I guess it's an easy call on why you would apply. But was it surprising to you to have that job pop open? You know, it was just because, you know, NYU is such a special place. And in general, in the UAA, these jobs don't come, come no. up very often. So, you know, the Nancy Fahey's and, you know, Carol Simon still at Brandeis, Jim Scheibel still at Rochester. You know, the coaches that I'm coaching against now, I played against when, when I was here as a player. So, uh, you know, it was surprising. I think it was a little bit of the basketball gods, uh, you know, pulling me back home. And, you know, it's such a special opportunity for any coach, I think, to be able to come back home and, and, you know, you've walked in the same shoes as your student-athletes uh, that you're recruiting and the student-athletes that you're coaching. So um, I think that kind of gave me a sense of immediate connection with this group and um, a lot of trust in each other in terms of, you know, what this experience is all about and, you know, how special NYU really is. I, I love how you subtly dated the other coaches in the league. I know, I know. <laughs> Without actually saying it. Bravo to you. Um, I thought that was well done. Um, I, 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 yeah, no, I really do. Um, so you, you take over the program. Listen, last year wasn't shabby. 17 and 10 overall. Six and the eight in the UAA is tough because that kind of, you know, that's not in the chase, as it were, because you don't have a conference tournament, obviously, to lean back on right. uh, when you have a season like that, even if you're building towards the end. How was that first season and how has it helped build you guys towards today? You know, it was a lot of fun. I'll be honest. We, uh, you know, most of the players returning had not played in, in very much on-court action, you know. So right. we came in as a new staff, and we were trying to watch game film. And, you know, quite frankly, we didn't know what we really had to work with on the court. I knew they were great people. I knew they were really hard workers. Um, so, you know, we just spent the first couple of weeks trying to figure out what our strengths were. Um, and I think because of that and because we kind of had fresh eyes, we were sort of able to manipulate and, and put them in you know, somewhat unique positions uh, to to be successful as a group. We certainly, it was not a one-person show. Uh, Janine Cuffey certainly had a standout year. I mean, she scored 39 points her freshman year, and, you know, in our last game last year, she had 39 points. So that was, that was quite an eye-opener, and I think, you know, we had a lot of recruits that were just – you know, really intrigued by what was kind of happening here, and we've been we've been able to add you know some impact freshmen to this group, and um, you know it's it's been fun certainly to come out of the gates and instead of slowing the game down like we did last year, we've really been looking to push and play you know more of a transition game and get out there and run. How much? I mean, you played at the old Cole Center. You know what that was like. That building has been non-existent for several years now. What was it like to to try and 
well, one, get interested in the job, to be blunt, but uh-huh. two, kind of kind of recruit out there. And I've asked this before, but uh, your take is what I'm interested in. When you don't really have a home, you're still playing at the Hunter Sportsplex over at Hunter College, um, which is great. I mean, it's it's great that it's worked out, you know, because the real fear was you guys were going to have to be hop skipping and jumping all around New York trying to find <laughs> openings. So I'm glad that it's worked out at Hunter, but... I, it, you know, this call center thing isn't being built as fast as everyone thought it was going to be. How challenging is that? And does that, did it even make you give pause on, on taking the job? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, when 181 Mercer is done, you know, it's a $2.3 billion building. It's, it's, uh, it will certainly make life easier, that's for sure. So, um, you know, I think it'll be one of the top athletic facilities in Manhattan and, and really transform this campus. So that's the optimistic side of things. And, you know, for me, coming into this position as a recruited student athlete here myself, uh, you know, you don't, you don't come to NYU just for the gym. I think the, the tangible evidence of the tradition of, of women's basketball success here, um, you know, what the student athlete experience is. I knew that, I knew the people in the leadership positions here still supported NYU Athletics um, just as strongly, if not stronger, you know, with, with sort of having this remote home. Um, so all the things were still in place for us to be successful during this transition. And I think on the flip side, when, when the building is done, it will really, um, you know, have a really strong footprint, not just in the UAA, but nationally with, with other facilities. Um, so when do you think it'll be finally online for you guys? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, like you said, there have been some, some holdups and things like that. Um, so, you know, we've been well supported with the facilities that we have. I don't imagine that we'll be in, in-house next year, but um, I know they're doing everything they can to, you know, make whatever pushes are possible to get us in there okay. quickly. I'm just curious because I've tried to leave Jeff Bernstein alone about it. Uh, <laughs> so I finally had someone I could, I could throw it at. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the team again. You're on the road against Cabrini coming up this weekend. Obviously, Cabrini, another tough team. Uh, your schedule also includes Baruch and Wesleyan. You'll tap into the NESCAC. That's a nice little game, especially at Wesleyan. You'll play St. John Fisher. Uh, you'll play Hunter, interestingly enough. It says at Hunter. <laughs> a little strange there, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just... We were, we were home last year. Oh, so sure, sure. It's more interesting. <laughs> I'm sure that just changed where you sat, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, and the jersey color. Interesting game. You do have the end of December. Uh, you'll play Staten Island. The NCAA allowed the Staten, the CUNYAC, because if anyone doesn't remember, Staten Island has moved on to Division Two technically on a very last-minute decision on their parts. The conference is allowed to count those as conference games and Division Three opponents for, for data. Nobody else is. Mm-hmm. You find out in July that you're playing them. How does, does that kind of feel like a, oh, come on. Type. You know, <laughs> You know, we we actually are we switched that game out. Um, we're we, we're changing that to play RPI. We changed that in very late, so um, I don't know that that was updated in the program guide. But that 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 command that you just referenced is exactly why we changed we changed that game. Oh, so, so would you would you change it to again? I'm sorry. Um, we're playing RPI at okay. home in uh, early January. Good. No, that uh, I I have the RPI game. I just didn't have 
the stat. I, we have the Staten Island game still in our system, yeah, so yeah. we'll fix that. So, but no, give me a, a reason there because there, you weren't the only ones. Mount St. Mary's, I think, is still saddled with the Staten Island game as well, um, which obviously can have an effect on on regional rankings and such. Sure. Um, talk about the team, though. In this stretch here, you got Cabrini and Baruch and Wesley and all this stuff. You won't get into UAA play till the until the 2020 part of the schedule. What is the important goal right now after you've started 4-0, avenged last year's 13-point loss to Stevens, and you're rolling forward, and now the spotlight starts shining a little bit on the Violets. What do you have to do to finish off the 2019 side of things to get ready for UAA play? Sure. I mean, as you know, you know, the UAA is quite a gauntlet. So, I mean, in, in my mind, I'd love to trade places with Amherst and, and honestly lead the NCAA in scoring defense, but <laughs> that's actually my emphasis. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, right now is just Cabrini. You know, we're on the road this Saturday at Cabrini. It's their home opener. Uh, they have a lot returning in terms of, you know, some seasoned veterans. You know, we're still mixing in some younger players and trying to find our chemistry. Um, but we also have have a lot of players, you know, like I said, Junior Janine Cuffey and Brooklyn Shelton, one of our freshmen, they're averaging, uh, you know, like a point a minute. So I'm really trying not to get in the way offensively with, <laughs> with what we're doing and, um, you know, just continue to bring players, players along to have a little bit more depth um, right now for us. But um, we have a lot of green lights, you know, we're shooting a lot of threes and it's just really fun to see us, you know, excited to get out on the floor and, you know, be more excited about an extra pass to an open shooter than, you know, sometimes like what we see nowadays, taking 10, 20 dribbles to create a shot. So, sure, yeah. Um, we're a, we're a, my favorite set right now is we're actually leading the country in um, assists per game and I think that, that if we can continue to share the ball like that uh, and, and work on our defense, we'll be in a, in a really great place heading into UAA. And, you know, a lot of that just comes down to, you know, how tough you are. The, you know, I played, you know, uh, Chicago has had such a great run. And, and Chris and I actually played together for a few years when she was at Carnegie Mellon. And, you know, I think WashU is running on like 30 straight NCAA tournament runs. So we're certainly not looking ahead to who we have to knock off in the UAA. It's just about using non-conference to position ourselves to um, compete with those top teams this year. Um, you kind of indicated it. It's about the underclassmen right now because you've got a junior and leading scorer in Cuffey. Uh, you have freshmen and, and juniors in Shelton, Koyama, sorry, Walker, etc., who are in your top four. This isn't necessarily about upperclassmen as of yet. They, they may step to the occasion, but this also, and I, not to say it in November, this is going to sound strange, but this also bodes well for 2020-2021. Yeah, we're excited. You know, I think the the biggest thing is we were able, you know, I when I played, I, I just, I, there wasn't a shot I didn't like. So we found <laughs> some other players that really like to, to run and kind of play with that same freedom. And our upperclassmen have just done such a great job of taking them under their wing, really showing them the ropes of, you know, the expectation here of how hard, you know, we want each other to work and how selfless we want each other to be. So um, it truly is a, a great match with the freshmen I think we have and, and the upperclassmen. And I think we'll see a few more um, standout freshman performances from people that haven't yet really contributed much, um, but also some returners as well. We have a few people coming off of injuries and things like that that um, should get in the mix a little bit. But they're they're just they're we're having a lot of fun. I think that's the biggest key right now when it's early and um, you know just trying to learn each other. Uh, back to the coaching side and why you were drawn to NYU. I know it's your alma mater. I get that, but your your coaching 
tree is all D1. It's mm -hmm. William and Mary. It's it's Temple as assistant coach and successful programs and learning. I mean that is it, that is the definition. That is the 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 street as it were, the road to be on to get a D1 opportunity. Why come to NYU then, outside of it being your alma mater? What's the draw to come back to D3 and take over a program when you've got what seems like a, a great road kind of paved for you sitting in D1, especially when you have Temple as your background? Yeah, you know, I think coming from the Division One side, you know, you learn a lot, and and certainly those experience, I think, those experiences have put me in the position to be, um, you know, successful recruiting here so far, and you know, even successful in a sense last year. Um, but I think the biggest thing is at a place like NYU, there's just such a strong and really tangible balance to this experience. You know, where our off season is really different. Um, you know, we're not on the court with our team. Our, our players are typically interning and studying abroad so you know I think the fun part is when we're coaching these guys they actually don't mind listening to our voice <laughs> when we're in season we fair, don't have them fair. year round um, yeah you know, but I think I think the other thing is NYU is just one of those haves uh, programs. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's built for success, and I think the difference here, and one of the reasons I came here, is across the UAA you have teams really vying for a national championship, and mm -hmm. the Division One dream is is favorable. It's fun. It's uh, you know, I had a blast doing it. But you know, every year when I was at Temple, for example, UConn was in our conference, so you know, we weren't. Are you we, saying that's hard? We were, <laughs> we were like, come on, let's finish second. You know. So, uh, so I think, you know, to come here and to truly, you know, try to climb towards a national championship and know that it's been done before, it's just it's just something different. You know, after 11 years in Division One, it, it's a change of really trying to reach for the top of, you know, what we're doing. And, and the other piece about it, and this is, I think, at any level, you know, basketball is basketball. And, you know, to come to a place like this where we're really not coaching effort, we're really not um, you know, worried about the personalities. We know the type of people that this place attracts. That's a that's a really fun piece of, of coaching as you get you know deeper and deeper into it. So it's been it's been nothing but a lot of fun for me so far. Fascinating answer. Appreciate the insight. <laughs> uh, I get it though. I get the UConn argument. Um, and I yeah. And once I, you once you've tried to do matchups for Brianna Stewart, you kind of yeah. start looking. <laughs> I I sat behind them. Was it their last championship? That'd be crazy. Um, Indianapolis yeah. in 2016. Uh, I sat behind them, yeah. I think in the championship game, if it wasn't, it was the semis, and I was blown away. Yeah. I was absolutely blown away. There, were, there would be videos on the video board for everybody to enjoy, about, especially of the teams, like players goofing off and doing fun stuff, and the other teams are looking up, enjoying that. Nope, not UConn. They were, yeah. they were zoned in on what Coach had to say. They didn't even know anything was going on behind them uh, or around them. It was a different world, and it, it's, yeah, you're right, fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, Meg, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and uh, we're, welcome back to Division Three Unit for a year late on that. Good luck with <laughs> the team the rest of the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Well, I feel like I have to reference my own age because I don't want to upset the league. But, you know, I used to check out D3Hoops.com and, you know, back then there was no podcast. So no, no, you were, <laughs> like, that's, that's me finally aging myself. We, today, were, we were there your junior and senior year. We just weren't so so popular. 
Okay. So okay. Okay. We were there. We were I just barely like there. Know how to, how to uh, tune into a podcast on my, no. on my desktop? So. No. Trust me, <laughs> we weren't that popular. So uh, we would argue we're still not that popular. But uh, no, you're right. O two. We'll give it to you. O two. Um, but that just makes Jim Scheibel feel older. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. So I didn't actually accomplish my goal there. But. I, I'm kind of waiting for Jim to text me and go, "What the right. heck?" <laughs> Uh, no, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah. Good luck. Thanks for, thanks for your interest in our program, and Absolutely. you know, really for all you've been doing for so long for Division Three, it's 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 come full circle for me. So it's a pleasure, really, to be able to be on tonight. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time. Hopefully, we'll run into each other soon. And take care of yourself. Enjoy the season. For sure. Take care. Thank you. Absolutely. Meg Barber joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Of course, Blue Frame Technology, also the host of our show now on the streaming side of things. That's why we have the OTT app now and why we're streaming a little bit differently. You don't notice a chat room that we've normally had with our YouTube connection. That's going to be the future. Uh, we may find a way to get a chat room up and running. Uh, you're going to have to bear with it. Otherwise, you're just going to have to tweet us, email us, and all of that jazz. And normally, we have our Facebook page running. We just didn't get it going tonight. Again, trying to learn the nuances. And, and again, this is a one-man show here, folks. Uh, I admitted tonight at the dinner table I might need an assistant. My son may show up on camera or on the, in the studio in the future occasionally to help me, but we're not at a point where I can give him major things to do. Um, but, you know, we would love to get some more people involved. They actually you know, may try and do that. But So some things are falling through the cracks. These opening shows will we'll be fully kind of up to speed, I hope, uh, in, in, in near future. More importantly, we want to get the show on the air and get the podcast set up as well. Going to take a break. When we come back, Gordon Mann will join us. We'll talk women's basketball. And again, you see the John Carroll jersey over my shoulder. It's hanging there. Uh, we swapped it out with Brockport and Rowan, uh, uh, Ramapo. That shouldn't be the news of note, but we're leaving it hanging by itself for a reason, and we'll explain that reason a little bit later. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios, presented by the Hotline, presented by Blue Frame Technology. Back with more after this. discovered in myself is that if I have a goal and I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school you primarily a student-athlete so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, 
Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We apologize again. We're not streaming on our Facebook page today. We uh, we realize that is something that people enjoy. Uh, we will try and make sure we have that routinely up and running uh, in the uh, in the uh, future shows. Just, uh, just a run of luck, as it were, today. And uh, we, uh, again, apologize for that. Um, so we talked women's basketball with Meg Barber. Now let's talk a little bit more about women's basketball. On Friday, or on Sunday's show, I should say, we chatted with Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman, as we will do weekly for the most part, on their thoughts of uh, the landscape, as it were, around Division III. Um, I always like getting Gordon's take on things when it comes to women's basketball. As much as I cover it, he certainly has that nuance covered and helps uh, with the top 25 as well. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline is the aforementioned Gordon Mann, Senior Editor of D3Hoops.com. Sir, as always, thanks for your time. My pleasure, Dave. Good to be talking to you during the season again. Yeah, absolutely. Can't believe it's here and uh, we're underway. Uh, um, first and foremost, uh, we'll get to how the season's gone so far through two weeks. And, you know, it's teams like NYU that have jumped off uh, the table, as it were, at everybody. But uh, the preseason top 25, I think this is the first time in a long time that I can remember that the women's side really felt up in the air. And obviously not having the defending champs in the division anymore helps. But really, it feels like no one's sure who really is the top team. Yeah, this is... Uh Wide open as I can remember it in a long time. Um, you know, you look at the way the top 25, the number one votes are split. 
Uh, at one point, we had the first five ballots cast had five different teams as number one. Hmm. Uh, and uh, Scranton and Tufts and, and Amherst are really separated by birth, you know, basically nothing. Uh, one point and three points, I think. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor, you know, got some attention. St. Thomas got a vote. And I can say when I filled out my ballot, I really had six teams that I was looking at, narrowed it down to about three, and ended up being the top three in the poll, and just decided after going round and round for a while, okay, I just got to pick one. They're going to be one, two, three. The order is not that important, um, but it's it, it feels wide open. I think the departure of Thomas More, like you mentioned, is huge and a big part of that. Uh, I, I think the um, some of the graduations at Tufts at Bowdoin, uh, who was the runner-up the last two years, have been a factor. But yeah, it it feels more wide open in Division Three basketball on the women's side after a number of years where uh, we were starting to feel more like the Division Three football side, where there was really only a handful of programs that you felt could win the national title, and then everyone else like that just talked themselves into it. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what you're referring to on the on the football side. What could you possibly mean? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's definitely tears. And as much as there's been parity on the men's side, on the women's side, we've seen more parity. I think the top group got a little bit deeper than it's been in the years past, but it right. still felt like the same old, same old with who we thought would, would get there. And I find that the, the start of the season's even been fascinating. You know, you look at the top 25 and who's lost. There's a lot of losses in there. And granted, it's been a couple of weeks, but there's still been a lot of losses in the top 25. Yeah, and, 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 and some really surprising losses. You know, there's some teams that have taken a couple of losses because they play really tough schedules. Uh, Texas-Dallas went on the road and lost at Wheaton at Chicago. Uh, Chicago has lost two games. They lost last night to, uh, I think, uh, was it Illinois Wesleyan? No, I'm sorry, it was Wheaton that lost last right. night to Chicago. I think Illinois Wesleyan Illinois beat Chicago. Right. There's, they, you've got a bunch of those, but you've had a couple of results that at least on we'll see how the season plays out but at least in terms of program pedigree what they've done overall and what where they're expected this year were really surprising and last night peace beats christopher newport and that's really surprising christopher newport brings back a lot 15th ranked team right uh, you know if they make two free throws last year Maybe they're in the final four instead of Scranton, uh, and and they lost in a game where they shot two for thirty against a team that's kind of a second tier of a second tier conference. And, and you know, Peace now is four and one, and maybe Peace will be good. Maybe Christopher Newport won't be, but that's a that's a surprising result. You know, Platteville handling Wartburg is a surprising result. Uh, the Wyack schools are. Usually good, but it's been a long time since they've had somebody advance out of the uh, out of the sectional semifinals. And if you're making the list of who's going to win that conference, Platteville's probably not at the top of that. But they're six and zero now. I think so. Yeah, uh, there there have been some there've been some surprising results there, and not just among the teams that schedule really hard games and then kind of go 500 in the sort of non-conference schedule. But that that happens from time to time. But the the uh, uh, the programs that are highly ranked, like Wartburg, or established like Christopher Newport, losing the programs that haven't been in the national picture in years, or in Pieces' case, ever. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, 
You and I were both kind of doing a double take last night at that result from Peace beating uh, Christopher Newport, who's now four and two uh, on the season. But two losses out of Chicago, you know that stands out. Texas Dallas starts the season again against other top twenty-five opponents. But yeah, it just seems, and maybe women's basketball is starting to do what men's basketball has done, and that's you know take on all comers and take on the most challenging yeah. teams. But even East Texas Baptist in the receiving votes categories lost a couple of games, and you've got a whole mess of losses outside of that. Also, a lot of coaching change. Gordon, in, in on the women's side, I think the count was what five jumped straight to D one and some reputable D one programs to boot. And there's been a little turnover there that's kind of shaking up things too. Yeah, I mean it's become kind of an annual thing now. Where the if you made a list of the top ten to twenty coaches in Division three women's basketball, three or four of them in any given year are gonna are gonna move on. So uh, Michael Meek and George Fox uh, moved on, moved up. However you want to think of it, uh, Carla Bruby at Tufts is now the head coach at Princeton. Um, you know, uh, Trevor Woodruff at Scranton is now the head coach at Bucknell. Uh, I think there's two others. The Claremont coach is now at Pepperdine. She, she wins the award for having the most, uh, you know, uh, most beautiful campus that she's moving to. No, <laughs> no offense to Bucknell or no, not at University all. or Portland State or wherever Michael Meek went. But, Absolutely. Uh, Hard to beat Pepperdine. You had uh, 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 Lauren Avan at Rhodes. She took on, I think, the Lipscomb program. So, um, you know, it was, we, there were a lot of pro people who moved on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that creates some really interesting dynamics because those are, those are programs. Carla Bruby built that Tufts program, and they have a really good head coach. They went all the way across the country and, and took the Joe Pace, who had been the um, the West Region Coach of the Year for, for rebuilding Pomona Pitzer very quickly. Um, and so I have a feeling Pace is going to keep them right right in the running. And you know, I don't think that program misses a beat. Um, but, you, you know, we talked with Michael Coppolino in the, in the offseason of one of our podcasts, and he talked about the culture change of going from being an East Coast guy to going out to George Fox. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those types of changes. The guy who takes over uh, Jacolo at, at Scranton is not a D3 guy. He's a, he's a regional guy. His roots are... New Jersey, he was at Seton Hall, but he has no Division Three basketball roots. So that right. will, it'll at least be a culture change for him moving from, you know, Seton Hall, which is probably in the upper upper half of Division One basketball, at least, to a Division Three program where the expectations are actually very high. I mean, he probably has, not probably, he definitely has higher expectations in terms of national title uh, expectations at Scranton than he does at Seton Hall. The, 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 the fan base may not be as large or maybe smaller number of people at the games, although maybe that's not even true for Scranton. Uh, but the people in Scranton expect to be Final Four and expect to be Top Ten and expect national title contenders. And um, that will be an interesting cultural a cultural change for him. He'll be at, he's, he has a smaller school at a lower level with higher national championship expectations. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. Um, and, and, you know, Scranton picking up a D1 coach, too. I think that was an interesting move. Yeah. Um, I ran into Nate Davis at Gettysburg. Uh, I remember some people had thought maybe Nate Davis would be interested or be in the mix and nothing against him. I knew that wasn't going to happen. And Nate chuckled at that thought. But, you know, even he commented that, you know, hey, you know, that's, that's an interesting move for Scranton. Um, not in a negative way, just, you know, they're, they're, 
you know, there's serious and then there's serious. And obviously, Scranton and Dave Martin, the AD there, have, have thought that th that's the direction that program needs to go in um, to, to keep its high expectations. I mean, Gordon, I can't imagine programs like Scranton uh, or others whose expectations are, well, no, we're, we go to the Final Four. That's that's what we do. And if, and if we don't yeah. get there, we, 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 we failed. And, and that's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think Scranton is in the top. I don't know, four or five, and it, it might even, maybe even higher than that in terms of, and maybe number one in terms of just local community expectations that the team's going to be a national championship contender. So not, you know, I know they have that that expectation of Amherst and Bowden and Tufts and oh, sure. you know, George Fox and all of those places. Um, and maybe it exists a little bit at George Fox and you know, that community as much being on the other side of the country. But you know, the locals come to Scranton who are just from the local community for a basketball game and expect to win and get angry when they don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, sir. It, it, it's a level of, of expectation of victory yes. um, that is rare at the Division three level. Amherst and, and Tufts, they expect to win, but the folks in the crowd are going to be generally people's parents, alumni, and people who are going to be supportive kind of either way. Right. So, uh, and, and the other thing that made the Scranton move so surprising is their coaches have They've only had three of them in the last, whatever it is, four decades. Right. But they all were steeped in D3. So Mike yeah. Strong, of course, Deanna Klingman, who was on his staff yep. and played there at Scranton. And then Trevor, who was the Mr. Recordia head coach and grew up going to Scranton men's basketball right. in the 80s when Bob Bessoir was the coach here. So this is, this is really a big reach outside of outside of that network and uh you know we'll see how it plays out i sure. imagine they'll the, from a recruiting standpoint it'll be interesting to see how many kids they start to have from north jersey and south jersey <laughs> sure. and, and the uh, new york city region yeah it might change it might change that dynamic a little bit but uh you know you can't well to be honest with you as much as we can joke around about the fan base i i wish my alma mater had that kind of fan base uh you know things oh, that have been going on in my place for the last few years at least in the last few weeks especially wouldn't that wouldn't fly uh and and yeah, yeah i kind of wish more schools got that kind of experience uh yeah it, we can be tongue-in-cheek about it a little bit sometimes it goes a little crazy i know they're probably listening rolling their eyes hard at me right now but i do wish that some schools got more schools got that because that that is what makes it special to be cavalier a little bit. That's their NBA. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's the type of thing that you it, it has a uh, it has a, an expectation that you you only find a probably a handful of of women's programs at any level. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure UConn has that yes. sort of game in some of those programs. But you know, at the Division three level, if I'm thinking of who really has expectations of a national championship. From their local community, so again, not from the, the players right. and the alumni. I think that's a really short list. That's, I think it's yeah. Scranton. I think it's Hope. Sure, uh, sure. It might be George Fox, and I think that's the end of the list. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say know, maybe an Amherst, but even then, I don't even know yeah, if the community is the maybe, ones calling for maybe it. Maybe Amherst. Uh, maybe Amherst. Maybe there's more of a local community following there that I'm I'm kind of uh, have in my head. But yeah, the and, list is you know, short. St. Thomas, St. Thomas, maybe a little bit, yeah, maybe. although they. I haven't been to the mountaintop yet, so I don't know. But let's be honest, it's not like Chicago or Washington communities are calling for it. No. And again, no, we're talking about outside the campus. City, that's always right. going right. to dilute that. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, good point. That's a fat. Yeah, that's a real short list. Um, 
before letting not before letting you go, I, I we've got a little bit of time here. I, I I do know we're running a little bit late, and I have a segment coming up that I know people are waiting for. But anything else jumping out at you about this season and the way it has started, and, and some of the games that you've you've spotted on? You know, I know you're still in football mode, so it's a little bit tough for you. But um, as your Delval team will be playing in the in the playoffs on Saturday, the team you call. Yeah. Um, but anything else jumping out at you on the women's side? Yeah, I thought there were there were kind of three questions that sort of framed the season coming in. One is, is this year the year we finally get a champion again who isn't undefeated? It's been a long time mm. since that's happened. Um, you know, who isn't undefeated? Right. Yeah. Right. Because you. Um, yeah. When's you know, the last time that top? If you look at that top tier, Amherst, Tufts, and Bowden are all going to play each other and play some other pretty good yeah. teams. Granton hasn't been undefeated in a, well in a long time. Right. The 80s. They could. You could. It's hard to pick out, other than maybe Hope, which I look at and think, okay, there's a team that could run the table. But their conference the might, oh, yeah. Yeah. Trying might give yeah. them a hard time. Could, they could. And certainly Calvin or, or Albion or maybe Trine, but is this year we finally get somebody wow. with a title who hasn't been undefeated? Because the last one, boy, I think the last one might have been, was it, was it DePaul maybe? Or, uh, well, DePaul maybe? had a loss. Yeah, and that was 2016. Yeah, no, so it's 20. No, it had been 16. Yeah, 2016. No, that, that doesn't that doesn't feel right. Yeah, good question. Yeah, wow, but it, so it happens often. Illinois Wesleyan. There we go. There we go. That that so that's, you know on the men's side you, you have to scratch your head and think wait who's the last team that was undefeated <laughs> yes. and now on the women's side you have, it's the opposite who's the last team that wasn't undefeated yeah Benedictine so was the closest that came to it on the men's side you know, losing yeah. a championship game but yeah on the men's side it's right. a Benedictine, it's you don't see it and on the women's side yeah. it's almost kind of status quo yeah the, the second thing is I was real high on the South Region teams this year I was been pretty high on them again I wonder if this is the year one of them gets back to the final four. Mm. You've got uh, Mary Hart and Baylor. I think if you lined up all the teams and you said, okay, you all will play at the highest level possible. You won't have an off night shooting. You won't turn the ball over. You will play, you will play your best game. And so will your opponent. And you lined them all up. I think based on pure athleticism, Mary Hart and Baylor might be the best team in the country. Their, their, their athleticism, one through five, their, their, the way they can score in different ways, uh, they're, they're really, really impressive. Of course, that's not how life works. You run into an Amherst or a Tots or a Bowden or a St. Thomas and they force you out of your game, but I think Mary Hart and Baylor is that good. Uh, Texas Dallas is not too far behind. I know they picked up two losses, but and they play a very different style of basketball, yeah. but they're very good. Uh, Trinity of Texas isn't in the poll. They should be, and by next Tuesday, I'm sure they will be. Agreed. Uh, they look very good. Abby Holland uh, is, is who's got a great low-post skill set. They've got a young freshman there who can shoot the ball. Uh, that's a pretty good team. I don't know if the, when Kelly Williams comes all the way back for Randolph Bacon, is that a team that could make a run? Sure. You, you've got enough teams in the South now you wonder if one of them can get to the final four. It, it's been a long time, uh, you know, since Howard Payne went on the miracle run and went all the way and, and won the title. And before them, Randolph Macon came up just short. Arthur Simmons came up just short. But sure. those, you wonder if, if, if a South region team can get through. And then, and then the, the third thing that I think is kind of a, a, an overall theme to watch is, is this year somebody finally, uh, other than, 
Hey, Thomas, finally wins the, the, the Minnesota Conference. Is this the year uh, someone other than Whitewater and Oshkosh finally wins the WIAC? Is this the year that someone challenges the sales and the Freedom Conference? You know, oh, yes. Conferences where it, there's kind of a long-standing top dog. You wonder if there's some a chance for some turnover there. Freedom is about the only one there that you mentioned. I think there's a definite chance because Stevens enters the conference. Yep. But yeah. and there and there yeah. been a, it, the, the FDU Florham days aren't that long ago, although it no. probably seems that way. It, it does you know, feel that way. <laughs> you know, so those are. You wonder if it, is this year that DePaul finally doesn't win the NCAA. I don't now, think so. Now you're going too far, <laughs> sir. <laughs> you know, but you don't know. Um, you know, you know, Augsburg and the MEAC, that's an interesting race. Platteville's gotten off to a good start. Uh, I have lacrosse Hyler on my ballot right now. The Oshkosh, that's a good race. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Even if those teams aren't national title contenders, uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see if you have some turnover at the top of those conferences where you've had the same one team or, in the WIAC's case, two teams kind of in it and winning it every year. Well, those are good questions to frame the season. Um, I'll keep those in mind myself as we as we move on. I'd love to chat more with you, but obviously got to let you go. It's late, but we were a little sure. bit long here with Glenn Robinson. Again, I could have made a whole show just out of Glenn Robinson yeah, tonight. Well, that's certainly uh, th- that was <laughs> poor planning. To the winningest coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, well done, sir. Um, I definitely did not plan that show right. If I'm if I'm trying to get Glenn on uh, when he's when he's got stories to tell that are worth listening to every minute. Um, uh, so I appreciate it. We'll get you on again soon um, because I love your take. As I said, uh, it's tough enough to stay on top of of just men's or women's. And you do an amazing job on the women's side, and I love getting your point of view. So uh, as always, I will leave you with a final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in tonight? Uh, you know, it, it's a little bit off the beaten path and off the front page now. Uh, but in, in the off season, speaking with that, that theme, nice. I had a chance to talk with uh, with two guys who mm. were inducted into the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, one was Michael Harper, who was uh, the center for the North Park teams that won back to back to back titles and then had a you know a, a career in the NBA. And the other was Bo Ryan, who probably doesn't need a lot of <laughs> description on who he is. Um, but uh, uh, those those articles are somewhere on the site. If you go to their if you go to Platteville for men or to uh, North Park for men, you'll you'll find the stories linked off of there. Real, speaking of great storytellers, really great storytellers, particularly uh, particularly Bo Ryan, who uh, was very gracious with his time who feels a strong connection back to D3. Um, and I have a feeling if you got Glenn Robinson and, and Bo Ryan in a room, they would tell stories for a long time, including about the time they played each other in the, for the national championship back in, back in the 90s. So um, something to check out for those folks who were kind of off the site but like to like to roll around or, or revel in those uh, nice. historical basketball details. They were both... They were both real good um, interview subjects and real good storytellers. Well, Bosco says uh, Michael was the best player in Division Three ever. Um, that's his argument. Yeah, that's it's his a, argument. It's a, it's a defensible one. Yep. Yep. And he, he said he didn't get there um, to the event, but he stayed in touch with the coach who did. Uh, we did get that question in, in case you're curious. All right. Um, so you can go back and listen to that. But uh, no, it, uh, you did great stuff with that. Uh, I, I apologize. We'll say it publicly. Gordon did some uh, interviews. I know you put him 
in your pages, so that's great. But we were supposed to run them in our off-season podcasts, and my health kept that from happening. Well, my health, and I should say, a torn up basement uh, kept that from happening. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you at least got those. But Gordon does great, great, great stories, period. And it was fun to read his stuff, so go check it out. Uh, thanks so much, sir. Appreciate the time. We'll look forward to talking to you real soon. Hey, enjoy at least the football coming up on uh, Saturday uh, with Del Val, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you about it about it down the road. Sounds good. Take care, Dave. Take care. Gordon Mann joining us on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, Blue Frame Technology, uh, proud sponsors of the Hoopsville Hotline, as they are now for a second season. And, of course, our streaming providers now here at Hoopsville. Uh, I know they are streaming providers of several other Division Three schools and conferences, and we appreciate coming on board with them. If you are listening to the show not on an OTT app, keep it in mind you can listen on Roku, Amazon Fire, uh, Android TV, and Apple TV via the Team One Sports app. We're going to take a final break. I know it's a little after nine. We got a late start on this. I still have one final block. I've been teasing about the fact why we're hanging a John Carroll jersey up there. We will talk about that when we come back, plus answer a couple of your questions uh, and wrap up the show. So one more break and we'll be back and uh, clean up uh, unfinished business and everything else. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and EBC studios. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. 
We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I promise we will talk about why we're hanging the John Carroll jersey by itself on the door and why it means something to us coming up. We will get to that. We do have some questions that got asked, and I'll answer them if I can. Brennan Casey, who's been active with us, we appreciate it, Brennan, in the first two shows, wants to know when's, uh, what's the latest on the St. Thomas and the possible move to Division One. All right, so we have not spent time on this this show or in the first two shows on this topic, mainly because I, I I didn't know if I wanted to get into it already. It did happen in the off season. We were certainly well behind it and involved in it this fall when the news came out. Um, St. Thomas, if you don't know, has was unceremoniously, to be blunt, kicked out of the MIAC. We can talk about the details and why it, they you know volunt whatever. There has been a move um, by a division or by a conference in Division One to welcome St. Thomas to them, if it's approved by Division One Summit Conference for a lot of their sports. Football and ice hockey would not be part of it, but now there's talk that there's an ice hockey opportunity. Though I haven't heard anything about football. Uh, normally in Division One. Uh, division three, you got to go to division two first. That takes a few years. Then you got to be there for a, a good period of time before division one will even look at you. Really, it's a 10 to 15 year process to go from D3 to D1. And right now, there's a move to possibly have St. Thomas and start that process and be in division one by the time they leave the MIAC officially uh, in uh, two years' time. Um, we really won't know more until January, February. I know if you talk to Summit Conference, they're really excited about it, and they think it's going to happen. Uh, St. Thomas, I think if you talk to the right people, they're excited about it. Personally, I'm not excited about it. Uh, I do think that, um, well, January, February, we'll, we'll get an idea if D1's going to approve this. This is not status quo. This is not normal, and it can't just be done. And D1's got to accept it, because they're not just going to throw the D1 money at anybody who wants to come into the, into the division. Um, I think if you talk to some, it seems like it's a sure bet. I think if you talk to some, including myself, though I'm not talking to anybody specifically at St. Thomas, my gut feeling is I don't think it's a sure bet. I don't think D1 just rolls over and says, sure, St. Thomas, why don't you come in? I also don't know if it's the right move for St. Thomas, but we won't dive into that now. 
maybe Sunday show or the following Sunday after Thanksgiving. We'll talk more about it in detail. Um, maybe get some opinions out there from others about it um, and, and try and dive in it in that way. But as of now, we're waiting to see if D1 even wants to humor this idea. And if they do, then you know we can talk a little bit more seriously about it. But uh, that's kind of the long and the, and the short of it, as it were, for now. So um, I don't think that answers any questions necessarily, um, but I hope that uh, kind of gives you an idea of, of where that comes from. Um, again, follow D3Hoops.com for a lot of the scores out there. I think there were some other questions, but I've missed them at this point. Um, we'll promise to get it up on Facebook in the, in, in the near future. Again, Sunday show was there. We'll get Sunday's show back up there, and we'll be on future shows. A quick reminder, we actually may not have – we are going to have shows the next couple of Thursdays. Uh, well, next Thursday's Thanksgiving, and we hope everyone's enjoying Thanksgiving. We will not be on the air for that. That means next Sunday coming up, we'll be on the air. We'll then be on the air Sunday after Thanksgiving. Then we will not be on the air the following Thursday. I will once again be on the road to um, Greensboro, North Carolina for the Division Three Men's and Women's Soccer Championships, calling those uh, with, uh, with Ira Thor once again. Looking forward to that. So that means the next two Thursdays we will not be on the air. Then we will get our, our Thursday show on the air, and we'll have a couple of them before the holidays. So just bear with us. We, we have tried to put on a pre-taped show on my soccer championship weekend with everything I'm dealing with and everything else going on I don't have time and I and I, I just can't so we'll be on the air Sunday before Thanksgiving Sunday after Thanksgiving and either Sunday following or maybe Monday depending on my travels back from Greensboro we'll figure it out so there'll be three shows in a row that will only be on Sunday before we get back on the air on this Thursday evening scheduled time slot so just a quick little uh, bit of business there as it were all right so now let's talk about that John Carroll jersey um, um, first off, we got it last year, and you may remember in last season, we, we had it hanging somewhere in here. We have several jerseys that have been sent to us. We will continue to hang those, continue to find new homes. But tonight, I'm hanging that, and I'm hanging nothing else besides the ones that are in their frames. Because I just before the show, which is probably lousy timing, and I hope I can keep my emotions a little bit in check here, I, I read something on Facebook from the Sports Information Director at John Carroll, Chris Wensler. If you're not aware, and many are and, and some aren't, Chris has been dealing with cancer, uh, specific myel... Uh, myeloma uh, for quite some time now, uh, well over a year, and I believe this summer many thought he had uh, at least gone into remission or at least seemed to be ahead of it. Uh, that does not seem to be the case in the last few months, and it, 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 it appears that things have taken a, a, a horrible turn, unfortunately. is. Um, I'm not going to go read everything he wrote. That's not my place to do that. But he is in a battle, basically, for, against myeloma. He will be going into the uh, Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center, uh, I believe, tomorrow. He's got little time to get ready for this. I feel for him there. Um, and then he's going through some. He's going to go into some serious chemotherapy. He will do it again before Christmas. And obviously, the goal is to to beat this back. Chris is a wonderful man. Uh, I've been to John's John Carroll uh, several times for basketball. He's been more than accommodating, more than helpful, always friendly when I've been there. Uh, I know it hasn't worked out for John Carroll. One year when I went there, when Guilford came out of that to get to the championship weekend, John Carroll. And man, I always forget who there who's on the other side of that of that pod. It was supposed to be the big I think it was Heidelberg actually. It was supposed to be the big um 
rivalry clash uh, in the quarterfinals to to move on to the championship weekend in Salem, and it didn't happen for either team. Uh, I think it was Texas. Da- or, I think it was Texas Dallas defeated Heidelberg and Guilford. I think beat John Carroll. Whatever version. I don't have my notes in front of me. I apologize. And uh, as a result, we had a, a very empty building uh, for the quarterfinals. But Chris professional that he was you wouldn't know it in the way things are handled and he's always been there he's helped us get guests he's been helpful in in many ways he is synonymous he has been john carroll that is his alma mater um he has been 30 years there he basically got the job right out of college you know we talked to glenn robinson earlier today about getting he got the job right out of almost out of college to run franklin marshall we know dave hickson got the job almost right out of college to coach amherst Chris Wentzler got the job right out of college to run the sports information um, office at John Carroll, and it has evolved like you would not believe at John Carroll. You know, they do a lot of great things there with a small office. Um, he's a co-signer, Kenworthy Award winner uh, for his service uh, and his mission work. Not everybody is religious. Uh, anybody who knows me knows I'm not f- incredibly religious. Um, but his mission work is fascinating and I love reading about it uh, and what he does and now he's in a battle plain and simple Uh, it's been a battle but it's ratcheted up now Um, and so my thoughts are with Chris my thoughts are with his wife his daughter Madeline and his son Oliver Um, his wife by the way is uh, also works at John Carroll Uh, she's in the admissions department Um, they are they live right near campus. I mean, they are synonymous with John Carroll, and Chris is in a battle. Now, last time, um, well, not last time, but when this started, and he knew he was going to go through chemotherapy and lose his hair, there was a huge effort by many to send him um, knit hats. I think this was two years ago, or, or thereabout, or any hat, really, to help keep his head warm during uh, chemotherapy. I'm saying now, if if you haven't sent him a hat, if you're a school that can do so, please do it. I know he loves them. He wears them. Uh, it would be a, a, a simple token to say, hey, D3's got you. We've got your back. Um, quick side note. Um, cancer affects everybody. It has affected all my life. Um, my mother-in-law suffered from leukemia well before I met her, um, back when my, my wife was, was uh, I think, still a teenager. She can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong on that. Um, there's been other people. My mother had a, a small battle with cancer, nothing uh, too crazy, but uh, enough as my sister jokes to, to change our paperwork at the doctor's office, add about 10 minutes to the paperwork. Um, I've known him a fair few. Uh, at I got a chance to work the World Series for Major League Baseball this year. It was a true honor. And I was there for the stand-up for cancer night. I stood at the edge of the dugout uh, behind the scenes. You can't see me. <laughs> I didn't walk up the steps. But I was at the, right at the edge of the dugout when the, uh, when the uh, moment took place. And on that day, I decided before the game to get one of the stand-up for cancer signs. And uh, I held it for a friend of mine named Brenda. She's Canadian. She's uh, from. She was from Toronto, um, and uh, she lost a horrific battle with breast cancer, the kind that is unbeatable almost, and uh, and it spread elsewhere. And, and a lovely soul taken. And so cancer bugs the hell out of me. There are words that I will not use on air, <laughs> uh, but but it sucks. And so 
reading Chris's news today disheartened me because this is one of those good guys in Division Three you hope will remain around forever. He he bleeds John Carroll. Uh, he he is synonymous with the sports teams there, and there are some great guys like Brendan Gulick who I've gotten to know who aren't who they are if they don't have Chris Wensler in their in their lives. So my heart is with Chris. I wish I had a Hoopsville knit hat I could send you. I might send you one of our caps. I don't know how warm that's going to keep him uh, when he's going through chemotherapy or if he's wearing it in a, in a Cleveland, Ohio winter. That's not fair. But our hearts are, and thoughts are with Chris and his family in this battle. And Chris, you will come out of this. Uh, you will beat this. I have confidence in that. And if I'm wrong, damn it, I better not be. So uh, good luck to Chris. Good luck to everybody out there battling cancer. I just wanted to take a moment. I try not to be emotional because I think cancer really stinks. And good guys are taken from us. Good women are taken from us. And, and it's not fair. But that's why the John Carroll. That's why it's up there. That note, we're going to sign off. Thanks for tuning in to Hoopsville, everybody. Thanks to our guests. Most importantly, thanks to the SIDs who help us do this show. The people like Chris Wensler and Lenny Wright and all the rest. It helps us do the show, and I hope we don't lose more good people like Chris, because Chris is going to be around for a while, and I hope others will too. Good night, and we'll see you on Sunday night.